Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Well, do I have any sport fans in the room? Anyone who enjoys sport? Okay, yeah, there's a few of you, a few of you. Well, I hate sport. I hate sport. I think I just, I'm not interested in any way. I don't like playing it. I don't like watching it. I think it's, I just am not interested in any balls, bats, things, any of the things that are involved in sport. So, you know, take me to a sport thing, really. Oh, do I have to go? Anyway, I've been to a AFL game. Family, get the family together. This will be fun. Look, the pie, that was all right. Warm. Chips, not bad. Soft drink, bit warm. You know, could have been a bit chillier. The game... What can you see? Nothing. They're so far down the other end of the field, I can't see a thing. I've got no idea what's going on. Boring. Not going. Not going again. All right, what else have I been to? I went to the tennis. The tennis. The tennis. The Australian Open. Very exciting. I was um, given tickets for the semi-finals, VIP seating, box seat, dinner within the President's Lounge. Like, this is an exciting event. So I get there, and then we have dinner, and then we go out and sit in our lovely box. We get ice creams at breaks. We get knee rugs. This is, like, fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Boring. No, sorry. Boring night. Tennis. Didn't, didn't win me, nothing happening. So I don't really enjoy sport, this is all I'm saying. And um, so recently we found ourselves in Wollongong and my, Richard and I were there for ministry, we were invited as guests, which was wonderful. And um, usually when we're going somewhere, we get the itinerary a few days before, this is what you're doing, this is where you're going. So Friday night we were here, Saturday morning we were doing a leaders thing. Saturday afternoon we were going to watch the Hawks play. Wow, who were the Hawks? No idea. So I assumed we were watching rugby league. Now this is a, um, a national league team. The whole town's very excited. As I'm talking about going to the rugby league, I discover it's actually basketball that I'm going to be going to. So this wasn't very, this exposed right up front my lack of sporting knowledge or information. But I thought basketball, basketball, okay. I can do basketball. I remember at school, you had to do a little bit of basketball, so I know there's a thing about a keyhole. There's something to do with, um, like, you can bounce. I know you're allowed to bounce the ball at basketball. Basketball, basketball. Oh, there's a line you can throw, like, chuck it and get it in, that thing, the hoop thing. Oh, I'm this, I'm, I know enough to get me by. We'll be right. So being positive, here I am, I'm being hosted, so I have to be positive about the event. I'm excited. I'm on board. Here we go. Got my little VIP tag on and... In Richard and I go, and we head down the front, we take our seats, like, right here. We're here. And there's the game. Boring. (laughs) Anyway, we're here. Around us are all these these people who love basketball. These are the diehard basketball guys. We've got the mascot sitting next to us. We've got the mascot, the guy that carries the the noisemaker thing that's going to get excited later in the game. We've got everybody. These guys are talking. Oh, when Billy comes out, when Joey comes out, number seven, number five, oh, number 15 on the oppositions. I'm thinking, who? I don't know anything. These guys know it all. But I'm just, you know, going along. Here we are. So we're about to start the game. So the opposition come in. I don't know what happens. The opposition's coming in. Boo! 
the whole place gets to its feet. Boo! So we're like, oh, okay. Boo! Boo! Yeah, we don't like them. We're getting involved. So then the team come in, the Hawks, the town team. Oh, the place is on its feet. It's roaring, roaring. Oh, we better. Okay, so Richard and I are on our feet. Yeah, go Hawks. We love you. Cheering, yelling. Anyway, then the game starts. I've got no idea what's going on, remember. So the guy beside me, I said, what's going on? What does that mean? So he starts telling me, giving me some information. I'm telling you. But halfway through that game, we are on our feet. We are involved. I'm like, come on, come on, we can do this thing. The guy beside me is looking at me like, what happened to you? What, what just went on there? It was a cliffhanger. We, had, we went right to head on head, tie breaking, extra time, whatever you want to call that thing. Oh my gosh, this was so exciting. We had so much fun. By the end of the night, I'd lost my voice. I'd had a ball. We walked out of, out of that place saying, we love basketball. I want to go to the basketball every Friday night. This was so much fun. And you know what? That is the power of an atmosphere. That is the power of finding yourself surrounded by a body of people that are creating an atmosphere. I reckon you could give God a bit of a praise for that because the power of an atmosphere is amazing. It soaked me up. It absorbed me, it infected me, and I left that place energised, smiling, full of life because of that atmosphere. And today, I want to talk to you about setting an atmosphere, about setting your own thermostat. At the, at the basketball, it was the atmosphere that was set to fun, exciting, committed, involved, and it was so positive. It took me from cold and disinterested to the same involvement as these die-hard guys that I was surrounded with. And that is the power of an atmosphere. Yeah. Now, maybe you've experienced that power of an atmosphere. Maybe you've been somewhere where that's had an impact on you. You know that feeling when you're supposed to go to a party? It's Saturday afternoon. You've been in the garden. Who could be bothered? I really, do we have to go? Yeah, we have to go. We said we'd go. Really, do we have to go? And then you get to the party. By the end of the night, you're like, yay, what a great night. I'm so glad I went to the party. Yeah, you all been there? Anyone been there? The atmosphere, what happened in the room, impacted you and changed your experience. Maybe on a Monday morning, you're heading for the office, feeling great, had a good morning, traffic wasn't too bad, you got your coffee in your hand, you know you've met all your, your, um, your deadlines, everything's great. You walk into the staff meeting, Ba-bom. there's the boss. Not happy, Jan, not happy. And all of a sudden, you're, you feeling fantastic is reset because of the atmosphere in the room. So we all feel the atmosphere. We all feel it, whether it's good or bad or tense or negative or empowering. So if I want to experience a positive, healthy environment, I have to be responsible to create it by being positive. I have to be the thermostat. What is a thermostat? A thermostat, I'm sure most of you have got heating or cooling in your home. And the thermostat is set, sets the atmosphere or the temperature despite the outside influencing factors. The thermostat is set on 22. It might be 48 degrees outside, but your house is 22 because of the thermostat. It might be 15 outside, but your house is 22 because of the thermostat. So no matter what is happening around us, around me in my life, 
I can choose to set my thermostat to positive. Amen? Amen. My own mental and emotional state has to be managed by me. And when we set our thermostat on the right setting, on positive, we can positively influence the atmosphere. But where does this all start? Where does this all come from? It all comes from our thinking. It all starts in our head. What's going on up here? Did you know that science has actually discovered the science, the um, neuroscience, the science of the brain over the last few years has just exploded. Like we've got so much information now coming at us about our brain and how our brain rebuilds itself, or how our brain functions. And science has actually discovered that our thinking is so powerful that more than 75% of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of negative thought. Wow. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes, arthritis, all linked back to negative thinking. We actually think ourselves into th sickness. We think ourselves sick. But we can also think ourselves well. If we think positive thoughts, we can think ourselves well. We can actually find our bodies healing themselves as we think positively. And that's why we've got to do that. You know, the first year I was married to my husband, Richard, um, I, was, I had severe, severe arthritis in my shoulders to the point that we would wake up in the night, he would wake up because I'd be crying in my sleep. And... I, you know, I'd been for prayer and I was like, I'd been to the doctor, I'd had, I'd been to um, arthritis specialists, I'd done the whole thing. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. This is a life debilitating disease. You will have this for the rest of your life. I was 20 years old, 22. I was young and this, this had been troubling me. And then I felt God say to me, you know why you've got arthritis in your shoulders? I don't know, I'm just got us. It's family, it's heritage, it's something. He goes, no, no, no. You're worrying about money and it's a burden. You're carrying it like a burden. Trust me with your money. Trust me. Let me help. Trust that I'm going to lead you in the right direction with your money. And I had this revel, I had to change my thinking about my money. Do you know what? I don't have arthritis in my shoulders. I don't have any arthritis in my body. It was immediately healed. It was miraculously healed. And, and if I start to worry about money, little igglings, I'm like, oh, no, God, I trust you. I trust you with my finance. You've got me. You are for me. So, so I have experienced this where my own physical health has been affected by what's going on up here. I hear you say to me, but it's hard, Pastor Alan, it's hard. It's hard to be positive. You don't understand. There's lots of things going on in my life. It's really hard to be positive. Well, I have some really good news for you today. Who'd like some good news? Yes. Anyone at the back want some good news this morning? Yes. yes, good. Okay, well, the good news is that we actually have a natural optimism bias. What is this you speak of? An optimism bias <laughs> is the belief that the future will be much better than the past or the present. Oh, that's true. Most of us think that where we're heading is going to be good. We will own a house one day. We will retire in luxury. We will go on that holiday overseas. Let me demonstrate this to you. It's a slightly negative example, but it demonstrates my point of optimism, so it's relevant today. Now, statistics tell us that 50% of couples will get divorced. Maybe you're already in that statistic. I don't know, but... 
50% of our community who get married will get divorced. Now, if I asked you, which I'm not going to do, to put up your hand if you thought in the future you would get divorced, I don't think 50% of your hands would go up. Do you think 50% of your hands would go up? I don't think so, because all of us have an optimism bias that we will not be in that statistic that will get divorced in the future. That does not apply to us, and that is what's called the optimis optimism bias. We are all naturally optimists. Yeah. Isn't that good news? I think it's good news. And the other thing is that no matter what race, what religion, what socioeconomic bracket that you come from, 80% of us still have an optimism bias. So 80% of us, you could be as poor as poor, and you still believe that what is ahead of you is better than what you're experiencing right now. Come on, let's give God some praise, because that's pretty good. This is hope. This is called hope. So science is actually discovering that we are hardwired for hope. You and I are hardwired for hope. We're designed for hope. The Bible makes it very clear that we're wired for hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's read this together, because I know you know this verse. So all of us in a big voice. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This optimism bias is inbuilt into us because we're created in the image of an optimistic God. He has made us with a sound mind that operates in love and power. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God has designed our minds to be sound and strong, and he's designed us to have hope innate within us. Science and scripture both demonstrate that we are wired, we're designed for positive thinking, that we're designed to think just like God thinks. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to, to enable us to do this, to manage our negative thoughts and to put aside and to replace the, the bad thoughts with good thoughts of hope and love. Yeah. So we are actually living thermostats. Yeah. We are people who get to choose what the temperature is going to be. Yeah. All of us have a little dial right here at the front. We can set positive, encouraging, empowering, or we can set fearful, anxious, eggshells, everyone's got to suffer because I'm in a bad mood, atmospheres. A bit challenging, hey, sorry, yeah. happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, my husband, I've got to tell you, my husband's pretty awesome. I, I, I don't think I realised how good I was picking when I picked him. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I did have plans for a man who would cook every night of the week, would do everything, was fully domestic. Now, no, he's not those things. But I'll tell you what he isn't. He isn't moody. He isn't grumpy. He walks in my front door, and let's imagine, I'm, this doesn't happen often, but if it did, and it can, I'm on my couch, in my PJs, 5.30, on a Wednesday night, weeknight, on my couch, watching a movie, feeling fine, just chilling out, dishes all over the sink, washing everywhere, no dinner cooked. My husband walks in the door. Hi, honey, I love you, you're the best, and, sits on, and would sit on my couch with me. He's not going to come in grumpy and growl and, where's my dinner, what are you doing, why are you relaxing? There is not a moment of anxiety in my heart as he opens that front door because he's chosen to set a thermostat that is positive. 
He's chosen not to react. And I can assure you there's days where he's wanted to react, where he's got to that front door and thought, oh no, if I get in there and there's no dinner, I want to kill her tonight. But he hasn't. He's chosen not to react. And the result of that is I have a really, really nice place to live. I'm relaxed. It's calm. It's not aggressive. No one's yelling and screaming at one another because he's set the thermostat. So I'm very blessed. He never attacks me. And I can take for granted how diligent he is in setting that thermostat. You know, for me, over the years as a mom, like I used to get up in the morning and, hey, guys, come on, get ready for school, get ready for school. And um, get ready for school, get ready for school, get ready for school. Like a crazy woman, I'd be yelling at them. And um, they'd all be yelling back and we'd get in the car and they'd be crying and, and we'd be late. And, oh, my gosh, anyone hearing me? Anyone familiar? Have I described? Uh, you thought I had a, uh, a spy camera into your house. Anyway, and I'd get the kids out at school and then I'd be there on my own, and I'd think, really? I feel like rubbish. Right now, I feel so horrible. And we're late anyway. Why, why do I do that? Why do I create this horrible experience that my kids go to school with anxiety? I'm in the car with anxiety. So I decided one day, I'm not going to yell anymore. I'm not going to yell. Hey, guys, let's get ready for school. You ready? Do you want me to come on? Let's go. Now, we were still late. Nothing changed. We were still as late as we were before, but everyone was calm. I, w I didn't go to work with anxiety in my heart. And really, that, 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 right there is my health. Right there is my well-being. Right there is my attitude for the day. Right there is my thermostat. What I'm trying to set here, right there. Did it change everything around me? Eventually, over time, it did. My kids, I did notice the old bedroom trick mums. You know, one of my daughters, my daughter who's left home now, her bedroom was always a mess. Disaster, all the years. Clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. She never cleaned her room. Eventually I decided I'd rather have a relationship with my daughter and an untidy room. So I didn't worry about the room. I promise you, I didn't worry about the room. I would shut the door, I don't care. She's living on her own. Oh my gosh, you should see that place. It is immaculate. She came home to visit and she's like, Mum, why don't you just put that cup straight in, just wash it and put it on the rack and put it away in the cupboard? Why put it in the dishwasher? Oh, hello, hello, what's happened here? But sometimes we get so stressed about things that don't really matter for the long haul. What matters is the condition of our heart and what we're reproducing. I want to show you a woman in scripture that is just like this. And you may have heard of her. Her name is the Shunammite woman. And this woman is um, living in this town and um, Elisha the prophet is going to come through the town and, you know, there's no cafes, there's no restaurants, there's no hotels in, in villages in this community at this time. So if a stranger came to town, went to the well, then somebody in town would offer for them to come and have a drink with them, come and visit with them. So we're going to leave the scripture for now, if you don't mind. Thank you so much. And um, so this lady was... So obviously saw Elisha and his um, servant Gehazi by the well. And she said, would you like to come to my house for dinner? And Elisha said, I would love to come. Now, this lady was wealthy. This lady was to do in town. This lady was like one of the leaders. She was probably, I imagine, on the, on the council or her husband would have been. She was a great lady. Everybody knew of her. And Elisha said, I'd love to come to your house. So off he goes. He goes to this particular lady's house. Now... The interesting thing is that every time he comes to town, 
he goes to her house. Don't you think there was other ladies making kifta in town that was nice? Other baba ganoush around, some other yogurt, some other um, shish kebabs. I'm sure that there were other women making beautiful food, beautiful food. But Elisha chose to go to her house. Elisha chose to go to her house. It turned into his favourite cafe. You know your favourite cafe where you can be fussy about your coffee order, where you can ask for a bit of extra froth, where you can, they've got a PowerPoint for your computer, hey, hey? Where the music's at the right level that you can talk to one another but no one can hear you talking, hey? That's, you've got to get that just right, just right. So this, this house became like his favourite cafe. It became like his perfect Friday night friends. You know the Friday night friends that you think, Oh, tonight's Friday night. We don't want to put up too much energy, but we want to hang out with people. We want to just be together, but not, you know, have to be together and entertain. This lady's house became like his Friday night friends. Why? Why was this house his preferred house of choice? Why? Why? What happened here that was his perfect, that made him want to go there? It was her hospitality. It was her hospitality that he was drawn in. He was, she was obviously welcoming. She catered for what he needed. She went to all the trouble, in fact, to build him a room. She actually made space for this guy. She'd impacted him so much that eventually Elisha says, I want to say thank you. I want to really say thank you to this particular lady. So he said to her, what do you need? What can I do for you? What would you like? And as you can expect, she said, nothing. I have a perfect life. I'm happy, I'm, I'm, I'm hospitable, everybody loves me, I live in a beautiful home, I drive a fantastic car. What more could I possibly want? Elisha's thinking, well, that's what I've seen. Everything I've experienced of this, of this lady is that she has everything, that, that she's got it all together. She's so hospitable and gracious. He's never walked into that house and sensed prickles. He's never come there and, and sensed that she's on eggshells and there's tension. He's never arrived and seen that. He's seen a welcoming, lovely home that this woman embraces him in. Now I want you to keep in mind something. Elisha's a man of God. He's like a prophet. God talks to him. God tells him secrets. But still, he has no idea about really what is the heart of this woman that he still sees she needs nothing, like the person who has everything. How do you buy them a present? So he talks to his servant, and we'll pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. And he says, what can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. Now I want you to notice her response. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead me. Suddenly we get this response that, that reveals so much. Suddenly she's, her heart is exposed. There's a big thing going on in this woman's life. There's a big, a big ache, a big heartache, a big hole, a big anguish, a big disappointment. There's a massive thing going on in this woman's life. Something that's big enough to have made her the, an unhappy, angry, 
antisocial person in her community. Something so significant that it could have destroyed her whole life, her whole function. And I know for today that many, there are women around us who that's what today reminds us of, the anguish of this, of not having a child that you've dreamt of having. But the thing about this woman is it's not soaking out of her. It's not oozing out of her. Elisha has never sensed this anguish. Elisha has never seen this heartache. She has managed her thermostat. She has, God has heard her cry. God has heard her heart. But she has not let that thing define her. She has not let that anguish push her to a point that she cannot function, that she cannot encourage others, that she cannot bless others and be an encouragement to those around her. How, how, how is this woman a positive thermostat? How? She's chosen, she's chosen to trust God and to, despite her circumstance, to set a positive atmosphere. She's decided to let God reign, even though on the inside it's tough. Amen? 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 Come on, let's give God some praise for this woman. All of us have these things that can easily seep out of us. Sometimes they're just the smallest things. I was in a conversation with a lady the other day and when her husband comes home, he puts his bag beside the bench. She's asked him a hundred times to put his bag in the bedroom, but he puts it beside the bench. That small thing drives this lady crazy. Everything else is fantastic, but it's often the very small things in our lives, the very small things that the people around us do or that are going on in our heart that can ooze out and cause us to not manage our thermostat. It can be the little things. Sometimes it's a big thing like this lady, but often it's actually a very, very small thing. And there's a key to this lady's story. She built a room. She built a room for Elisha. She made space for the man of God. She made space in her life. And for me, I can tell you the only way to manage my thermostat, the only way to keep myself on a, on a positive 22, not freaking out when my kids aren't home and I told them they had to be home and my mind starts making movies at 1am in the morning and are they dying? Are the police going to knock on my door? What's going on? No, 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 no. The only way to do that is to put God thoughts in my head is to replace my negative thinking with my God thinking, with the Word of God. And you know what God says for us to do? Just like that woman did. He says, make room. Make room for me. Make room. See this thing? Get rid of it for an hour, half an hour. Turn it on silent. Turn it on, on airplane mode. Leave it in another room. Flush it down the toilet. I don't care, just get that thing out of your hands and your face. Get this out. Get your Word out. Get the Word of God out. Maybe you've never read it before. I know it's Activate Church. You guys love the Word. But there might be some of you who've never read it before. Open it. Say, God, just talk to me. Read a verse. Read a bit. And then this. Get ready. This is big. 
Are you ready? Stop talking. How can you hear God if you're talking? Oh my gosh. He's like, can you just stop talking? I just want to talk to you. Oh, but God, oh God, I'm so distressed. Everything's, oh, it's so terrible. There's things happening Oh my life. How am I going to cope? What are you going to do? You need to fix this. He goes, can you just stop? Just stop. Just talk to me, Lord. Find some room in your mind to change your thinking. Maybe get a new thought, a different thought to the thought you've already had about a situation. Just go, God, I'm, I don't know. I, I think I should do this. What? I'm just going to let you talk to me. Oh, I got it. Uh, uh. Oh, you know how I... No. Oh, that's different. Well, you read the word and God breathes new life in you. So you want to set this thermostat? Get the word of God in your heart. Let him regulate it. Make some choices. Choose. Is anyone with me this morning? Anyone with me this morning? Come on. I know I have to keep my thermostat regulated. I have to keep it tuned. The Word of God keeps it tuned. And then I have to choose to leave it there. Not to let anguish and situation take me into overheat. Take me into a place where the atmosphere I create is unpleasant, is negative, is disempowering to others, rather than building an atmosphere that is contagious. An atmosphere that actually creates fans. That's what happened at that basketball game. That atmosphere turned me into a fan. Let's be people who create atmospheres that make people fans. Our kids are our fans because I love my mum. I love my mum. What she does in our house, she's always happy. She's full of joy. She's not stressing out. She says, clean your room, but she says it nicely. She says, guys, hey, hey, clean your room or you're going to go to the bathroom. She says it nicely. You know, hey, we've got to be people who create atmospheres in our office where everyone's not treading around us and scared because we've got our prickles up today. We can make fans. First of all, we can be our own fan. You know how much better I felt about myself in that car, dropping my kids to school when I wasn't cranky and grumpy? I became my own fan. Hey? That's a good place to start, I think. Fan of the Holy Spirit, letting Him speak in our hearts. And a fan of ourselves and then others around us. Come on, why don't we get to our feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.